Hi, I'm T2, and I support Jedex Grown Up through Patreon because they're super gentle to my wires and boards. I think you should too. Go to patreon.com forward slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this episode 145 of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. Mo is shaking his head. He can't believe he's been around. I can't believe it. No, it's a lot. (laughs) I am John. Joining me, as always, of course, is Mo, as we just said. Hey, everybody. And of course, wouldn't be a show without George. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? In this episode, we head to the theater to see the unlikely adventure of two Brooklyn plumbers addicted to mushrooms, check out some meatball-adjacent shelving solutions to upgrade your home, and play a computer adventure game based on a popular pen-and-paper franchise. And it's not Dungeons & Dragons, surprisingly. (gasps) Oh, shocker. Oh, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Before we get into those topics and many more, though, it's time to start with some fourth listener email. Look, there's the three of us, and we know that we'll probably listen. George is iffy, we know. But if anyone else (laughs) listens, we expect that must be the fourth fourth listener and fourth listener this time around we'd like to highlight is i gregory 67 his uh, username of this kind soul that sent us a comment over on youtube oh he's from youtube yeah it's the youtube published okay. version of our gaming in the bbs era panel we did at sfge oh right? so, okay yeah, yeah yeah wow i thought he was from logan's run with that name i was 100 percent sure but i gregory could be <laughs> <laughs> now i don't we can't rule it out it's still possible no one wants uh i gregory 67 says so i'm late to this but i, I would argue you're never too late it's yeah, out exactly. there it's evergreen you watch it uh but I met some of my best friends through my 64 and my 300 baud pocket modem. Wow. Later, I got four phone lines and installed in my parents' basement, two 386 computers running Linux and LP mud. Wow. <laughs> that sounds <Yep>. expensive. <laughs> it, it, especially back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember at the end of the at the end of like the modem era, like you, like a stack of 14, 4, 28, 8 modems, like five, 10 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Back then, though, mm, forget it. At that time, I lived in a bit of a sweet spot when it came to long distance numbers. It was sort of transitional area that was local to two large metropolitan areas with oh, three big yeah. universities and two colleges. Wow. Wow. That is a sweet spot. You could have picked a better place, right? Yeah. You're local to place like they are long distance to one another. Imagine the Fido packets going through his BBS. That had to be. He had to be. <laughs> hub, right? Because it's free. We can relate. That's what we talked about at that SFGE panel last year. And it was it's just so many people in the audience even were like, oh, that was such a good time. That was such a fun time to be a computer fan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Gregory 67 wraps it up by just saying, as I just said, I really miss those days. Thanks for the nostalgia. Awesome. You're entirely cool. welcome, I Gregory. Thank you. Uh, we <laughs> love that you uh, watch that over on YouTube, whether you listen or whatever, however, you, however it is that you consume this stuff. We love that you wrote in. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it is drop dead easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com or comment on YouTube or Discord or Facebook or wherever it is that you find us. We read every single comment at most of them, like I Gregory 67s will eventually make the show. All right. With that great business behind us, it's time to jump into the body of episode 145 right after this. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Uh, more pecani sauce. Uh, this ain't paste pecani sauce. And you ain't Burt Reynolds. But paste is made with your fresh vegetables and spices by folks in San Antonio. This stuff is made in New York City. New York. Darling. We're going to have to shut you down. Pick up the original. Pick up the pace. 
Let's get cooking talking about media that we have been checking out. Now, it could, of course, be a film or television or movies or books or comics or whatever we have been enjoying. And I want to like to start with you, George. What have you been checking out? Yeah, well, uh, so first things first, I went and saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie that we've talked Mm -hmm. about looking Mm -hmm. forward to for quite a while. Yeah, Uh, it was exactly what I hoped for and what the trailer offered, but uh, a little bit more than the trailer, yeah, which made me happy assessment. because yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it in the past. Sometimes all you get is what's in the trailer and nothing else. Like you talked about mm-hmm. with cocaine bear, John, right? Right. Like, yeah. Don't expect anything more. That's what you're getting. This case, I got a little bit more. There were some nice nostalgic nods and Easter eggs and stuff throughout the film that I thought Great were really fun. My, stuff in there. Yeah. I think my favorite was probably the uh, reference back to the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. I knew that you was say that one. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> one. I really cool. enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I had to stop myself from giggling during the movie when I saw that. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I definitely committed the cardinal sin of immediately leaning over to my wife. That's this. Blah, 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 blah. And people around me were like, shh, shh. Like, damn it. <laughs> you love seeing the animated guys. There was a part in that film. I enjoyed the film as well. Dungeons and Dragons was cool. But I'm always curious to find out if anybody else had the same thing that resonated with me. Sometimes you'll see something that you have had in your imagination forever, whether it's something you read or whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing in this movie that jumped out at me that was like, oh, that's exactly like I imagined it, was the gelatinous cube. Yes. You know, a lot of people talked about that, and I've heard negative and positive. Really? really? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, mostly huh. positive, but I heard, I've heard a okay. few people say the CGI was crappy in this movie, specifically uh, pointing out the gelatinous cube. I uh, I don't know. Really? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was I cool, I thought it was too. neat. Yeah, the way that like the guy jumped in and started, like it was not instantaneous. Like he's basically just a big cubicle stomach. And he starts right. to dissolve. Mm-hmm. And he, the guy who stayed in there is down to just bones, but they were able to jump in. It's exactly like I pictured it in my head. Yeah. It's like they they tapped into my brain and turned on a faucet <laughs> and went, what do you think gelatinous cube looks like? And that was, maybe you know, I've come to screen. It was like, oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> now, my son, who's actively playing Dungeons and Dragons almost mm-hmm. every weekend mm-hmm. with his group, they were most impressed, and he in particular, that all of the spells were exactly spells that they would use in a real oh, Dungeons yeah. Dragons game. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the people paid close attention to that when they were making the film i personally enjoyed the fact that the film had that sense of humor that you yeah. get when you're playing with friends that you've known for a long exactly. time mm-hmm. right. around mm-hmm. the D table and i think the best example of casting in that movie was chris pine chris I, pine he was he was, he was surprisingly good that yeah well <laughs> he wasn't surprisingly good to me because that's what i expected of him okay. because Anything he does, he feels like one of the people and he's joking and laughing like, really, that's what you meant to say? Or he's always got that kind of quizzical (laughs) nature about him. Now, Mm. the exact opposite of that was the the bad guy who had joined with him. Oh, my God. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. I don't think he wanted to be in this movie. It it felt like that they (laughs) wrote funny lines that he could deliver that would be somewhat funny. Whereas Chris Pine is just funny. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So. That yeah. was other than that, everything else was all the other cast members were great in it. I I know we'll probably see Hugh Grant in the sequel based on how they left the film. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't need him. I do mm-hmm. need Chris Pine. The little twist at the end was totally foreseeable from about oh, sure. of course. 30 yeah. minutes in. Oh yeah. yeah. Solid <laughs> film. You're not there for surprises. You're there to see Dungeons and Dragons. No, exactly. really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just happy to have a movie that washed the stank. From the original D and D movie, they the did. other D and D movie, the Jeremy <laughs> Irons, the Jeremy Fiasco, Irons, yeah, which is yeah. so serious and just so ridiculous. And this one, I'm like, this is it, it should be a fun, exciting movie, and this totally delivered on that. Good, that cleansed your palate. Well, the tagline of the Jeremy Irons poster, if you ever go back and look at that, mm-hmm. it's exactly why that movie wasn't successful. Do you ever look at the slogan of it? It says what? Dungeons and Dragons. This is not a game anymore. Yeah, oh, no yeah. shit. Yeah, with this right. piece of crap. It's yeah, not. super morose and too serious. <laughs> that's what made this movie so good. It was still fun. It was still mm-hmm. a game. I agree. And that's what I love. Now I'm going to go off on a tangent just slightly because the one thing that I <gasps> hated. George is going on a tangent, Mo. Oh my god! Holy Holy crap. <laughs> Sorry. Both of you kiss <laughs> my ass. I, I was going to refrain, but then John started. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I hated the fact that I did not get the 20 sided dice popcorn tin. Those are oh. cool. I, I, I wanted one, but yeah, I couldn't either. I wanted one too. 
Oh, fucker. (laughs) (laughs) I went to see this movie at the Orlando Theater there on Disney Springs campus. Yeah, Mm -hmm. great theater. That's arguably one of the larger AMC theaters in the country. It is big, it's it's beautiful, it's 24 Uh screens, it's all been redone. Mm -hmm. They ran out of the popcorn tin on the Sunday of opening weekend, the hour before my movie started. That's heartbreaking enough. But it doesn't make any sense to me that the company producing these, and I found out it wasn't just AMC. Cinemark apparently also had these popcorn tins. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. But whoever produced these to not produce the quantities that they needed left a crap ton of money on the table yeah. that they could oh, have sold. Probably. Yeah. And the really bad part is, so where can I go? eBay. I have seen <laughs> these popcorn tins that sold for 35 at the theater going for... $75 day one up to $200 now. Wow. And I swear to wow. God, I saw one in a box. I don't know how they got it in a box, but they got it in its original hmm. box that they sold for $1,500. What? Okay. That's What's just a box made out of cocaine. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Apparently the bear had something that he left <laughs> yeah. in the theater. I guess. Leftover I don't know. cocaine bear cocaine. I mean, those are just like plastic. I mean, we call them tins because that's what we used to call them. Yeah. They're actually just like these right. plastic. Yeah, it's just a plastic right? bucket. Okay. Yeah. And it's a stupid bucket too, because like, so I, I was kidding you and razzing you because you know, I did get one. I was lucky enough, but it, it's a bad bucket. Because the top opens and the bottom is a point. The bottom of the bucket in comparison to the Mm -hmm. lid is not flat. So they didn't put popcorn in mine. They just said, here's your stupid bucket and here's your actual popcorn. (laughs) Right. Because it's not really good for storing popcorn. It's just cool is all. It's just it's a cool Uh thing to put on your shelf. And I have bought before this one, the last two popcorn tins that AMC sold. I sold the I bought the Creed three one and I bought the John Wick four one. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really like those. They're nice. But I'm in a predicament now because. I really wanted that popcorn tin. Couldn't buy it. I was going to get one and my son was going to get one. I didn't give Mm -hmm. a shit about the cost. I knew it was double what the last two I bought were. Who cares? I wanted them. So I'm going to ask our listeners, if anybody bought more than Mm. one out there and you're willing to sell it for a reasonable price, I don't mind going over what you paid. (laughs) $1,000. Below $1,500. Like if you want to sell it to me for like 40 or 50 bucks or something Mm -hmm. like that, which is more than the 35 you paid for it, please send us an email i'll be happy to buy it because i really want this thing and i really don't want to get ebay scalped at this point right i I can't see these prices ever going down because of the crazy limited quantity that they did on these yeah if they do re-release and print more and ship them out somebody's gonna get screwed because i know there were some assholes out there that bought 20 of these fucking things and that's why i didn't get yeah just to scalp them yeah it's a pain just speculating yeah no, anyway. right. I'm sorry you didn't get <laughs> I'm one. Sure you, tried. Right. you dropped me a message and you were like, "Go, can you swing by your AMC? And they were yeah. out that day. Yeah, they'd run we out. We asked so. Marcus who even went, drove for it. Mm-hmm. I even had people uh, check at uh, other Cinemark locations and stuff really? and other places where yeah. I knew people. Nah, they were gone Ugh, by bummer. Sunday of opening weekend. That that's short-sighted planning on the people who you know were producing those popcorn tins. But yeah. and, and they couldn't it cost four dollars to make at thirty-five bucks? A, it was huge money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it costs four dollars to make, if yeah, that, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, hopefully, John, you had at least a better experience than I did at the movies or TV or whatever it was that you consumed in media. I, I did. I, well, first of all, I had a great experience at D and D because I did get a cool D twenty popcorn thingy. <laughs> yeah, 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 so I'm yeah. not rubbing it in anymore. I'm sorry. It's, it's just, no. <laughs> You, it's kinda. cute. It's nice enough that I'm not scalping it on eBay. Like, I'm glad I've got it and I'm not looking to get rid of it. Right. Okay. So, um, right. okay. Fair enough. It's neat. It'll go on a shelf. It's pretty. Uh, but uh, then I went to another film. So, that point, there's a week or two later, I'm like, well, maybe I should start buying popcorn tins every movie they're available. <laughs> so, I went to see the Super Mario Brothers film. Yeah. And oh. they had a popcorn, like uh, the question mark POW block. You know okay, what I'm talking okay. about? The, yeah, oh, yeah. Really? Coins oh, that in makes it. sense. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, one was literally just, it was a metal tin. And I saw people actually using it for popcorn. Unfortunately, people in my theater had them, but by the time I got there, they were gone. So they were, they were selling out. And I went maybe the, the second The Super Mario day. Brothers was gone too? Oh yeah, all gone. All gone. What so, the fuck now, is going on with these things? That one I was buying to scalp, but I didn't get one. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's why. Yeah. So instead, I just watched a movie, which was a Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, how was that? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So have you seen it yet, George? 
I have not. You have not. You probably plan on seeing it. I don't have any spoilers. I, I don't uh, know that I could spoil this movie, honestly, because I, it's not that kind of movie. Right. I, I guess I'll start by telling you the things that I was cautiously, not even optimistic, like worried about. Mm-hmm. I was worried about Chris Pratt's voice. I mm-hmm. was worried about Seth Rogen's voice for Donkey Kong. I was worried about... I was kind of okay with Jack Black because he kind of sounds like Bowser anyway. And I was like, I was, it was like the voices mainly. But the biggest concern that I had was this was made by Illumination. And if you watch the, the Gru movies or the Minions movies, these are super duper for little kids, full of fart jokes and bathroom mm-hmm. humor. And I'm like, okay, is this going to be Minions with a like a coat of Mario paint on it? That was my concern. And then I started seeing reviews, like 50%, 40% of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, oh no. And everything they say was super thin plot. It's only for kids. You're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. A couple days later, the audience scores are like 95, 97, 98. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> okay. So I'm definitely in the camp of that audience score. This is a fun movie. And I'll tell you all the reasons it shouldn't be a good movie. They're right. <laughs> no plot. It's exactly what you think. No big surprises. But I sat there and grinned and giggled through the whole damn thing. It was a fun little movie. Now, I don't think I pull that off over and over again because now we've seen that stuff on screen. Mm-hmm. It was full of fan service, but it, it was delightful. And none of that goofy bath room humor stuff. I could, I could imagine that Nintendo said to Illumination, cut that out for the Mario movie. We're not doing that. Right. It was funny you said that because I read a review on it and mm. the guy said, talk about all the reasons why it was a bad movie. But yeah. he came at the end, he says, but he says, I'm a 50 year old man. Your kids will love it. <laughs> I, mean, so yeah. I mean, the guy just came out. He said, look, he says, don't, you're, you're, it's a great movie for your kids. You know, he says, I'm mm-hmm. an old guy. I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Well, it's a great movie for old guys too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a question about the voice acting. So I know, yeah. you know, Jack Black and Chris Pratt and everything. Yep. So you have Chris Pratt. And I imagine that you cast somebody because you're trying to get a star name to mm-hmm. drive sure. the power of the film. Yeah. I don't think it needs it because no. it's Super Mario has its own star power. Yeah, that's kind of, so yeah. what I was curious about was if anybody has heard, John in particular, since you watched the film already, mm-hmm. why they didn't go with the guy who does Mario's voice. He's fucking yeah. alive. I just saw him at Megacon. <laughs> yeah, Charles Martinet. So I guess they went with Chris Pratt. I will tell you that Chris Pratt did a fine job. After about 10 minutes, the voices, most of the voices, except for one, kind of fade into the background and you're just watching the story. And that's, okay. that's, that's just Mario. That's just Peach. That's, you know, that's whatever. Right. And that's okay. You don't notice. Charles Martinet, he was in the film playing oh. the voice of Mario's father. Oh. And okay. the way they explained it was these Mario brothers live in Brooklyn and they're plumbers. And they started the movie by showing uh, a commercial they made. And the voice, the, hi, it's me, Mario, blah, blah. That voice is a, a voice they put on in the commercial, like a character, but that's not his regular voice. Mm. Like their regular voice okay. is just talking. That's like a, a character they put on is this plumber Mario that they do. Why they picked him, I don't know. Charles Martinet was in it. The one voice that I did quite click with me, though it was fun, was Seth Rogen to the point that he was okay most of the time. I saw press that said that he was not going to put on a voice. He was just going to be himself. Mm-hmm. And all of that was largely okay, except they even put in that Seth Rogen goofy stuttery laugh, that uh, goofy thing he does. Yeah, yeah. Like Donkey Kong did that at one point. I'm like, you can just clip out oh, that wait, two he's seconds. he's Donkey Kong? He's Donkey Kong. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It, it's okay most yeah, of the time. Yeah, that's pretty bad casting. But that goofy Seth Rogen laugh was really weird. Like Donkey <laughs> Kong feels like it beat. I mean, not to this extreme, but it feels like it should be a James Earl Jones kind of voice. A big voice, a heavy voice. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I saw an article talking about this, how they everyone's now starting this online petition for Nick Offerman to be Wario in the sequel. <laughs> oh, I can hear that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So it turned out to be a great film I, for no good reason. It was just fun. It was one of the, I don't have a good tangible that, reason right? why it was fun. It just was. And I think the older you are, the more history you have with the Mario franchise all the way back to Jumpman. I could talk forever about the little details and stuff in it, but I'd go see it again. I would pay full price to see it again, honestly. Wow. I, I would okay. say really? okay. wow. I put a four token on it. I think I had a really good time. So oh, awesome. Yeah. Cool. You definitely should go and see it. I think you'll like it. And the big screen is fun. So check it out while it's still there. All right, cool. How about you, Mo? What have you been watching? So going to the small screen, I actually was mm-hmm. watching a new show from Netflix called Beef, B-E-E-F. Oh, I remember. yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, like, I was looking, looking forward, forward to, to it last time. Mm-hmm. And I watched the first three episodes. I think there's nine or 10 total right now. And the basic plot is like, it stars like Ali Wong um, and mm-hmm. Steven Yeun from mm-hmm. Walking Dead. You guys, I'm sure mm-hmm. people know him. Glenn. And so it basically starts off that they basically get into a road rage fight. You know, <laughs> he's backing out. She 
is behind him, lays on her horn. He's having a horrible day. She flips him off as he's driving away. He gets pissed off, starts chasing after her, you know, just to yell at her, you know, because he's just pissed. And then they wind up getting this. They just have this whole road rage thing going on. And then they go into their lives, though. You start seeing what their lives are like. Okay. And they're both their lives are just not going well. And you can see, and the reason why they had the whole road rage was just like, they were just all like at that simmering point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, like that last they straw blew up at each other, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. As far as the acting, those two characters, they actually only can watch like a couple of episodes at a time because they're they're just very intense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the the like you could just see in their delivery and everything that they're just always at that just below that I'm about to explode point all the time. Like a falling down kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just like you can just hear it in their voice and the stress. I mean, and so I mean to me that just it just adds me really made a really great movie in the acting and stuff. But you know, as you're going into it, then they start to actually meet each other and a whole bunch. And it's just a crazy, insane story. And I'm saying I loved it. You know, I can't wait to watch the rest of it. But again, I got to watch it a couple episodes of the shot, though. <laughs> so you're talking. So this is not a movie. It's a series, right? It's a series. Yeah. So my curiosity is like, how do you stretch a road rage incident into multiple episodes across hours and hours and hours? How is that an ongoing story? Well, the, the road rage is just the, the kickoff. That's, okay. that's basically it. And there's a point where they actually like meet each other and they, they're basically taking out their anger at their lives and all that stuff on each other, just getting back at each other constantly. Hmm. And at some point, I'm assuming that they're probably going to meet like actually like face-to-face talk, meet kind of thing. Okay. He is a business. And so she gets pissed off, finds out his business and starts putting bad reviews on his Yelp. Oh, so this is ongoing. <laughs> it's not just the road incident. It's not there's, just the road incident. It's just there's continue to mess with each other and right. escalating. Okay. All right. I guess I get it. So Mo, I've, I also watched it. Mm-hmm. I sat down with my wife and watched mm-hmm. it. And I knew that I needed to be careful because my wife knows <laughs> that I have terrible road rage. Like I cuss people out left, right, and center when I'm mm-hmm. driving, flip people off. She's always worried we're going to get shot. She mm-hmm. expects me to me. die from road rage. Yeah, of course it surprises you. <laughs> Fuck off, Popcorn Tim. Anyway. Popcorn <laughs> Tim. Uh, what I loved about it, you talk about when they first meet. So mm-hmm. John, just to give you like, I'm not spoil for the audience listening, but mm-hmm. this scene is something that kind of gets played out in some of the trailers. There's a point where he pretends to be somebody she doesn't know. He's a contractor mm-hmm. and he pretends like there's stuff wrong with her house that he sees from the outside oh. so that he can gain entry to her house. Mm. Now, at that same moment, before he comes to the door, she has just retrieved a gun from her safe, Ooh. old fort, that she then pleasures herself with. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Which gives you an an insight into her character's motivation. She's so angry that the gun is the thing that gives her pleasure. Yeah. Mm. Right. Wow. Yeah. When Steven Young comes in and he's having wonderful conversations with her, like he's just a really nice guy, helpful. But in the back of his mind, he knows who she is. He's already Mm -hmm. figured out. Oh, yeah. Because that's why he's there. Oh, yeah. There is a moment, and I'm not talking about the one that you're, the yellow one that you're thinking about. I'm not talking about that. Before the penultimate part of that scene happens, there is a moment where Ali Wong's character is ready to have sex with Steven Young's character. Mm. She is so into him, and she hates her life so much Mm -hmm. that she is desperately trying to cling to anything that might make her happy. Yeah, And he's doing the same thing. There is a moment when I think he, even though he knows who she is, is almost ready to go that route, but then remembers his rage, remembers his revenge and goes mm-hmm. on and does something else. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most subtle scenes I've ever seen in yeah. something that is so outrageous and intense like Mo was describing. Yeah. And, and when he first goes to the house, he doesn't he's not doesn't know it's her specifically. He knows the address. Right, yeah. So he assumes it's the husband because you know he's thinking yes. a man. Oh, okay. But yeah. then he figures it out. And now he's like, oh, and then when he figures it out, you're like, oh, crap. You know, like, what's he going to do now? Because they said both these people, just they seem like they're just at that breaking point. They're just, yeah, they're just teetering they're simmering, on about to boil any second. Yep. Yeah. And she's self-made millionaire woman, and he's down on his luck, hardworking guy. Yep. To give you an idea of their juxtaposition of character. It's really a good film. Maybe one of the best series Netflix has done in a little while. Yeah. Really? It's really good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's wow. good. It's good. Not a feel-good story, though, it sounds like. <laughs> 
I don't know that it's not. I have to see where it goes. Yeah, it could turn out that way. Maybe yeah, it could. It could. Right now, they're both still working through some shit. I have a feeling <laughs> they're going to join forces at some point for some oh, common goal. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's, ooh, that'd be cool. All right. So this is this is beef, and you said it's beef. on Netflix. Is Netflix, right? and they yeah. dropped the whole Netflix. series, so it's all there. It's all there. All right. Cool. Well, maybe I will have to watch it. I, I wasn't interested until I'm like, oh, well, now it's got performances that I kind of maybe want to see. So fair <laughs> enough. Thanks, Mo. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Don't you just hate it when people make pigs out of themselves? For example, I'm here at Sizzler and I'm having the all-you-can-eat shrimp. And sure, it's all-you-can-eat, but is that any excuse to embarrass yourself? I mean, the shrimp comes with a thick sirloin steak and for the price, well... You just think that people would have the decency to exercise a little self-control. More shrimp, ma'am? Oh, yeah, just a few. Oh, could I have more? Oh, I didn't have any lunch. Sizzler. So let's jump into tech and toys. Mm-hmm. So, George, I'm not sure I quite follow what your tech and toy thing is. Well, okay. Um, so I want to have a little discussion about a toy that's been around for, I think, over a decade at this point now, Funko Pops. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop Everybody right. knows them. If you've gone to a convention or you've gone to a comic book store or a toy store, you see them everywhere. Walmart, yeah. Target, doesn't matter. Everyone has one. And <laughs> yeah, everybody probably has one. And if they don't, they want one. Yeah. You either have one or if you have two, you have a hundred, right? It's like once you start collecting, it's so easy. It's a slippery slope. It's a toy completely built on nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Mm. You have a memory of something you like. There's a representation of that thing you like. You want to buy it. It then becomes a collectible type of thing because they produce multiples of them for the different thing that you like. And you got to have them all like fucking mm. Pokemon yeah. at this point. Yeah. And they're so cute. They are cute. They're very cute. Now, the part that I want to bring up for the discussion is Mm -hmm. how do you properly display Funko Pops? Meaning? And I want to put this question to both of you and to our listeners. So first off, if you're talking about the traditional single person Mm -hmm. figure Funko Pops, there are two traditions to display them. Inside the box, outside the box. Pretty straightforward, right? Some people say, no, leave it inside the box. Don't touch it. Blah, blah, blah. Worth blah, blah, blah. Keep the box. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people say, no, take it out of the box so you can appreciate it more. It's not behind the plastic and everything. For those Funko Pops, I have decided to keep them inside the box strictly because, John, you have that shelf in your man cave that's Mm -hmm. from Ikea Mm -hmm. that perfectly fits a Funko Pop. And you can stack them like six, seven high up the wall on that thing. So you can put 45. Funko Pops in one section on your wall, Mm -hmm. pretty straightforward and easy for a fairly affordable price. But that's not the ones that I have a problem with right now. Hmm. The ones I have a problem with are like the thing that's behind me, the Star Trek Wrath of Khan Funko Pop scene. Oh, like the the whole set. There's a whole little scene of something going on. Okay. Exactly. So this one is Kirk and Spock inside the engine room with the hands on the glass as Spock's Mm -hmm. getting ready to die. Uh, I've got another one from the Boba Spoiler. Fett Star Wars series that right, uh, that is Boba Fett and Finnick on the throne that's at the end of that series. <gasps> they have okay. one of those? Oh, shit. I have two of them. So, yeah, they have them. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck, I have to get one now. That's like my favorite scene. But yeah, I'll trade you for a D&D popcorn bucket. <laughs> I will trade you for a D&D popcorn um, but those in particular, taking them out of the box or leaving them in the box, I am hmm. perplexed because I have problems with both. If you leave them in the box, they have nice, cool backgrounds that they come with. Mm-hmm. But the plastic that is inside of them, especially on those scenes, because they put extra pieces of plastic. Right. Yeah. Right. Makes them very hard to appreciate how pretty they really are. But if you take them out of the box, they're plain as fuck straightforward and simple. They don't have the background in there. What you couldn't see in the box was how plain some of them are, like the Star Trek scene. It's like they knew they were not putting much into it, so they were trying to hide that fact from you inside the box. In a super pretty box. Like three things that I expect to see in the Star Trek Mm. scene, Kirk, Spock, and that 
cylinder that the warp drive thing that Spock worked on behind mm-hmm. him. Right. right. Yeah. I expect That's that. not in it. Oh, it's just Kirk and Spock in a gray background with, with a little like half round piece of plastic that represents the glass that he between was in them. between them. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. Not much to it then. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I spent $40 on this thing that I wanted for a display and a memory reason. Yeah. I, I'm kind of frustrated by it. So mm. I'm wondering what you guys think and what our listeners think. What do you think, Mo? Well, I can say like, I have, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I have a Godzilla one. That's like okay. Godzilla and King Kong mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. in one package. Um, and there's like the whole battle scene. And thing is that the inside of the box is actually part of the scene too. Right. 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 So exactly. So I left it in the box because I figure if I take it out of the box, I won't have that background and it kind of loses a lot of context. Yeah. Exactly. And generally I keep them in the box because I'm, I mean, I, I just seem to acquire them. I don't actually intentionally go out and get them generally <laughs> unless, yeah, unless, it, unless it's like, like I said, something Godzilla, I'm probably going to buy it. But other right. than that, I just yeah. sort of, I don't know. I just acquire them. Like I said, I'm not sure how. Yeah. Every single one I think I've gotten, except for like one I've kept in the box just because okay. why not? <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't plan to play with them or anything. So I just avoid the ones that don't fit the mold of exactly what my display looks like. <laughs> like the, the bigger sets, because they don't fit, because I have a display a certain way right if it's, a, if it's a bigger one i'm like that's really pretty but oh it's not going to match my others so i <laughs> I, I, I shy away from it because like i okay. understand the, the beauty of that actually i own the same one you're talking about the one that's kirk and spock at the glass right i have that one it was given to me as a gift and i like it i probably would not have sought it out myself though because i would sooner have a kirk and a spock single figures hmm. than i would have which that I, set which i do have which you do have right yeah just for that very reason it's like i don't have a good way to display it and it would be a one-off it's like well i I don't have another place to put my Funko Pops. Here's the place that I put them all. But and but back to your previous point, I think I keep them in the box, not to keep the price value up, but just I see the box as being part of the toy. Yeah, I kind of do um, too. Okay. Like I'm, I'm not playing Barbies with them. I'm like, hey, Barbie, hey, how you doing? Like <laughs> I'm not going to take them out, talk or play with them. Necessarily. Like I might when nobody's looking, but it's not the intent. But I, I really, I just like the box has, it shows the name of the show. It has a logo. It says what character it is, all those mm-hmm. sorts. I look at that as, and every Funko Pop is laid out exactly the same. So they're homogenous. And I just think that looks nice to have that wall of them like that, as opposed to a bunch of individual standees. So for that very reason, I don't even go for the ones that, that don't fit that okay. mold because I have the same conundrum you do. I don't know what to do with it for ultimately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, now I'll bring up one last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a YouTube channel that I watch pretty religiously right now. It's called Comically Toys. And okay. there's a guy named Jack who runs it that I've been in contact with him a little mm-hmm. bit. You guys yep. will hear more about him later. But he specifically on his channel talks about action figures. He collects action figures like you wouldn't believe, specifically okay. comic book action figures. Okay. So okay. these are the like seven to 12 inch tall figures, different kinds. But what I love that he does on his channel, he sh- explains how to do different things with them. Like, you know, you get the different hands or the heads or something. Right, yeah. He shows you how to modify like those things simply, <laughs> but he, he gets done with it and he always poses them in some mm-hmm. kind of cool scene or something like that. I know Funko pops aren't really posable. Right. There's no moving <laughs> nope. parts, but they're really. developing these goddamn scenes in a posable format. Well, they're in the pose permanently. They're right? in they're, the they're pose. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm just torn because I have this whole thing that's supposed to be um, remembrance of the thing that I love. Like, okay, you can get Back to the Future, Marty and Doc, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you love to have them in some kind of a thing with the DeLorean? Right. No, sure. Yeah. You can't do that in the individual Funko Pop boxes That's that true. we're used to. Yeah. But then if you get it and it's like the Star Trek one, how disappointing are you that you can't just have it out on a shelf with some lighting on it or something to highlight? And when people come over, say, hey, what's that about? And you get to explain your memory mm-hmm. to them. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah, Out of the box, it loses so much because of how they use the box to finish the scene. Yeah. 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 It's a conundrum. So. Well, hopefully our listeners will have something for us, but I know Mo's next thing, which I'm going to totally give you shit for because it's not a tech nor a toy, is a (laughs) great way to have a display or have something to yeah. display stuff on, I suppose. Well, I'm, I definitely pushed the boundary of making this a tech and toy topic. So <laughs> well, remember last time he threatened us with talking about his favorite paint roller. So this is probably better than that. Yeah, this is. is an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. So, so I have a ton of board games mm-hmm. and the problem yep. I have is storing them because testify. Mm. <laughs> Every board game is a different size and thickness right. and width. And so mm-hmm. I was trying to find a solution to all this. 
And I went to my daughter's house and she has from Ikea, like everyone's getting Ikea furniture, mm-hmm. the color Calax shelf units. And they're basically shelf cubes. Like the shelves are right. all, all the spaces are cubes. Mm-hmm. And they are, for me, absolutely perfect for restoring board games. Okay. Like each cube is actually 13 inches by 13 inches. Mm-hmm. And okay. most of the games are 12 by 12, or sometimes they're a little bit more, a little less. So everything fits in and stacks like really nicely. Mm-hmm. You only have so many up, so you're not overstacking. So if you need to pull a game out, you're not taking 10 games off the top of it to get to it. Oh, because they're in cubes, you only put three or four per cube. Exactly. So there's, there's not one on the bottom. It's only yes. under a couple. Right. Okay. I see. That's a good idea. They have different sizes. Like they have like a two by four or a two by two and mm-hmm. five by five, they, all these different ones. And the thing is like the two by four, you could do upright or you could put it on its side. It's made to mm-hmm. go either direction. So you could, right. if you want to make it like that and make the top like a thing to put books or whatever you can. It's a weird thing that I didn't think would work, but I set up <laughs> my living room. I said, start putting my games in there. I'm like, this is freaking perfect. I said, this is yep. exactly what I was looking for to store my games. Yep. You know who also uses the Calyx shelf? Mm-mm. MC Murr. Oh, does he? Oh, in so his studio. MC Murr, yeah, in his studio where you watch his videos from, mm-hmm. and he has that shelf that's got all of his consoles yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff on it. That's mm-hmm. a Calyx shelf. I know that because oh. I wanted to use that for my video game consoles in a room, mm-hmm. and he told me about that Calyx shelf. The only problem I had, some of the older consoles, like the Intellivision, mm-hmm. ColecoVision, Atari 2600, they're wider than 13 inches. Oh. Ah, right. So they wouldn't quite fit real well right. inside the cubes, but I love love the idea of it being a board game mm-hmm. display. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Now, Mo, you t- talk about these things. I was actually looking at these Calyx units mm-hmm. when I was building out my set here in Studio G, where I'm sitting recording yeah. this podcast right now. Um, and I, I looked at them and the volume of shelving that I needed started to quickly become cost prohibitive. Now, they're not super expensive, yeah, I mean that. but it adds up pretty quickly when you're like, if oh, you I need this four by yeah. four, five by five. You know? So I'm curious to know what kind of investment you put into these and what you ended up with, like how much storage space did you get for that kind of investment? It was for a place in my living room. That's where I wanted to put the, the games. Okay. So I needed mm-hmm. to be somewhat narrow. So I got like a two by four. Okay. Like, so two across, you know, four up mm-hmm. down. Yep. And that worked, except I needed some more space. <laughs> so I bought an additional two by two, put it on top of it. So now I have a six by two, essentially. Ah. <laughs> oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Got it. So it's taller. And, yeah. So it's taller. Um. So, but yeah, the two by four is like 90 bucks for that yeah. to get mm-hmm. a two by four shelf, which is not awful, awful. Um. I forget how much the four by two by two was. I think it's like $60, something like that. Right. Yeah. 50, 60 yeah. bucks. Again, it's like it's every game, even like the wider, you know, like Monopoly and all this, they mm-hmm. all fit perfectly inside the game. And they're also deep. Like I said, they're cubes. So they're actually over 13 inches deep too, which mm-hmm. also means that you could put them in and they're not sticking out from the front of the shelf, which I really kind of like because that bugs me when that happens. And they have a whole ecosystem too. Like they have uniform doors and boxes yep. and things you can slide in if you want them to do other than just be an open cube, which was attractive to me when I first looked at them. But eventually like the volume yeah. I needed was going to be like $700. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a lot of shelf money. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. especially if you start getting those, like you said, those things that you put in the shelves, like little baskets right. you put in there. Yeah. 10, 15 bucks a piece, 20 bucks. Right. Yeah. Yep. Those customers much of the shelves yeah. sometimes. Yeah. All right. So like I said, so that's a little practical tip there for me. Uh, so how about you, John? What do you got? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, George, you got to admit it's better than a paint roller. Yeah. So I thought so. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only concession he's willing to make. It's better than a paint roller mode. I'll take that's it. That's it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I have something that's genuinely a toy. So okay. I hope I will win this tech and toy set. <laughs> So there was something that I was looking at ever since I bought the Lego Atari 2600. George, the last couple of episodes, you talked about some cool Lego sets that you'd gotten. Uh, yeah. Right mm-hmm. around your birthday and beyond when your trips and those sorts of things. It's my turn to talk about cool Lego. <laughs> so I had, been, had my eye on, released at the same time at the end of last year, they did a reimagined Lego Galaxy Explorer. Oh, with the little blue dude. Well, oh, sort of. He's not, blue dude's not actually in it, but yes. Okay, but you're, the list you're thinking, I'm talking about, right? Okay. You're thinking down the right path, right? Okay. You're thinking about Benny from the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So back in, I don't know, 78 or 79, when they first invented Lego space, little John was a super freak for Lego space. Every set I had. <laughs> Loved them. Christmas, holidays, birthdays, you know, Groundhog Day, any excuse to get a Lego. I got a Lego space set. Loved those things. And one of them was this classic Galaxy Explorer set. This just kind of like a, it's about a, a foot, 13 inch long, big rocket ship that has a, you can open the back and a little dune buggy slides out, moon buggy. That's cool. 
And it was classic, but it's been long discontinued. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, its number, the Lego number is 497. Well, last year, as part of their Lego, I don't know what they call them, like legacy or icons, icons, Lego icons, they reimagined that set and they numbered it 10497, 10,000 later. Ah. But they didn't just reissue the set. They took that what now is a very rudimentary and simple Lego spaceship Mm -hmm. and they reimagined it with like the modern building mechanics that the Lego guys know how to do now, you know, the cool edges and shapes and slopes and those sorts of things. So for Easter, I had noticed for a while, I've had my eye. They have, it's normally a hundred bucks. Walmart has had it for 25% off, 75 bucks for the uh-huh. longest time. It's like 1100 pieces. It's big. Yeah. That's a, oh, that's his big. Holy and I God. had my eye on it. I had my eye on it. I, every time I see it, I'm like, I should not buy this because <laughs> I have no discretionary income. I'm unemployed. I don't have that much money to spend in the first place. But I was telling my wife about it and she said, today is Easter. You should get in the car and go and get that thing and build it if that's what you want to do. You know, just treat yourself for Easter. And I'm like, so So my wife helped me out with it. I went down, I picked this thing up. She's like, how long is it going to take you to build? I'm like, just watch me. Here we go. <laughs> I finished it in one day. This new set is... Uh, Mo, I'll give you a link where you can go check okay. it out over at the Lego store. It's normally still 100 bucks. You maybe find it at Walmart for cheaper. It's nearly two foot long. Wow. The edges of the spaceship are like angled. They're not just flat edges anymore. They took pieces that were stickers and actually built them out of Lego. Uh, custom pieces that nice. were in the old set you build out of all these different... It's Lego sets these days, it's almost as interesting seeing how they achieve weird builds yeah. and angles as it is having the thing to build. So yeah. it turned it out being... Now, I won't say at any point point that I go, oh, I remember this build experience from when I was 11. No, it's it's a totally different experience. But when you're done, the spaceship that you have, and it does have two red and two white guys. And throughout the, the okay. manual, they're, they're talking about um, like everything here is like, we only use the colors that were available back then, except for this one piece that happens to only come in this weird gray. The spacemen are exactly the same spacemen as the old spacemen, except we made, remember how Benny's helmet is broken on the chin strap mm-hmm. in the movies? So so we we strengthened the chin strap on the spacemen so it wouldn't break on you. So other than that, <laughs> they only use colors and not pieces, but colors and designs that you would have seen. And if you're a space fan, the Lego space fan, it's such a cool piece that they put together. Not only that it's evocative of the original one, but it's reimagined, but it's such a fun build. And I I knocked that thing and it's all done. It's finished. Landing feet, opening pod bay doors, all that cool stuff. And a robot. They have a robot too. Oh, robot. There you go. (laughs) And it has the doom buggy and all that stuff, the moon buggy. The doom buggy's in the back. It opens up. There's a ramp that comes down. It's just a fun build. (laughs) It's all the things you'd expect out of a ship these days. And it's giant. So Wow. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Going home. There's my old house. Going home to yesterday. I hope he's still here. I'll take your hand. Hey, Mr. B. Joey Weber. It's Joe now. This is Joey. Hey, how you doing? You still got those popsicle ice pops? A genuine article. Cherry, right? Going home. Right. Going home. Me and Luchansky must have had a thousand of these sitting right here. Going home. You having a good time? Yeah. Each time we begin with genuine popsicle, fudgesicle, and creamsicle brand pops. It was fun. This is the main event of the podcast for the three in attendance locally and the millions listening around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! All right.
right, guys, time to get into games. Toy segment was a lot of fun and I love Lego, but I'm more interested in video games. That's why this is my segment and it's time to start talking. Since Mo didn't have a toy in the last segment, I'm going to hope he has a video game because if he doesn't, I'm cutting him the fuck out of this part of the. You didn't have a toy either. I did. Funko Pops are a toy. But your whole thing is about the displaying of them, not the All actual right, guys, toy. Guys, guys, let's not fight. Let's not fight. I'm putting games on Let's not fight. That's what we do. That's our brand. <laughs> Actually, um, I talked about this game. I had to look it up on the January 28th, 2021 podcast. Okay. And I bought an early, like, early release of the game. Okay. Last week, they finally released it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. For, wow. It's, it's actually at a 1.01 version all right. after wow. all this time. A long gestational period. And the game is called Everspace 2. Thank you, COVID. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, and you're basically in a spaceship and you have these like different like systems that you explore. But it's like so much more than just flying around. I mean, it has like space combat, which is very it, it takes all the fun things with all these space games, makes them a little bit simple enough that they're fun but they're still exciting to play, you know? Okay. okay. So like the mechanics behind it aren't like super complicated. You know, you say I play with a gaming thing. So when you're com- fighting, you know, to do like your special attacks, it's not like this huge thing, you know, it's just like, Oh, you know, X and then left. And you do that kind of special thing. Okay. It does 3d space. Amazingly. You go to like, when you jump into an area, it's not just like, Oh, here's the planet or here's the whatever. You could be in the middle of space and you see these like destroyed space stations that you could fly through. Mm. You discover then there's like puzzles hidden in these. As well, sometimes where you go in there, he's like, oh, you have to figure out how to open this hatch to get the whatever is behind it. Oh, like an old derelict Hulk. Like you can fly yeah. in and OK. Uh-huh. And so how do you get this thing open? Oh, you have to go grab a battery from over there and stick it in the generator. So there's all these little puzzles areas in it as well. And there is a story behind the whole thing, too. Like it's, it's you actually like there's a whole story about, you know, your ship gets crashed and you're trying to get back in a whole bit. But there's people around and that kind of stuff. There's a little bit of trading in it, too, where you could, you know, we shoot ships. They drop stuff. You could grab it and sell it later if you want to. Mm-hmm. It has all these little assets. And somehow, I guess that's why they took two years. <laughs> they were able to get it really, really well balanced where all of it is fun. Oh, good. You know, every aspect of it is fun to me. Now, the way you describe it, and if I'm remembering right, is this like the... Like the cockpit wing commander style space? Except it's third personal. I mean, you can't do a cockpit view or you do like behind it view, but yeah. Okay. And was this also the game that forced you to go and buy like the throttle and the yoke and everything? No, No. No. that's not this one. No, that's not. Oh, no. 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 (laughs) This one I played with my Xbox controller. Okay. So this is a much more gamified version of Space Combat. Okay. Got it. And the combat is like, it's very gamified. I appreciate that they said, like, yo, if it's too hard, you could lower the difficulty Mm. with this one fight and then raise it back up if you're done, you know, which to me (laughs) just makes it fun. No. Yeah. You're not suffering through a particularly hard thing like, oh, I got. 30 times it took me to get past it. At some point, I'm going to lose interest. Yeah. But they let you do that too, which I really appreciate. You could save it pretty much any time, which also I think is, is a great feature. I hate when you know you have certain mm-hmm. checkpoints and that kind of thing. There's a couple of things like if you're in the middle of a mission, you can't save. Like if you're dead in the middle of like the action part, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's totally fair. There's personalities. There's, you know, you're, you actually do some like constructing stuff. Like you could make your own weapons if you have the components for it. You could do all, you know, you're kind of like kind of like Borderlands. You no, know, you're always looking for the next best gun. You know, remember that whole thing where you're yep, playing Borderlands? Of course, that grind. Oh yeah. The grind. There's that in this too, where you sit there, you sort of ship, you got you're comparing it. Hey, is that one better than the gun I have? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Oh, it's not. Okay, well, I'm gonna sell it or I'm gonna break it down for parts. It's a really, really fun game. And somehow, like I said, it took them two years, but you could <laughs> see the two years got work there. in it. Wow. So I just got a couple of questions for you. Number one, yeah. do you have any any memory whatsoever of how much you paid for it because it was two years, years ago. ago. Oh shit, no. And if so, what was it? And are you planning to get your Corys out of it? Well, to tell you, every time, like over the last two years, they've come out with update. Oh, there's a new update. And every time they've done it, it's been like a pretty significant change. Either they added more to the story or they added something else. So mm-hmm. I went back, played it, and usually the gap was enough that I just kind of started from the beginning again, you know, and played it through. <laughs> really? So I think I probably already got my quarries out, <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> I went back to the beginning because it was so long. I'm like, what was going on with that story again? Mm-hmm. And it was funny because some of it, you like the dialogue, they had like a computer would just read the voices out. And now they actually have voice actors in it, which is kind of fun. Oh, know? I see. Like, As they evolved know, it and they finished the story. They actually finished kind of out. Thing. They yeah. flushed it out. Mm-hmm. You know, they polished it up. So I went and took a look at the link that you gave us. Yeah. It's $50. So that means 50 hours. You feel like you've gotten that already or you feel like you're going to get that? I'm sure I will get it if I haven't already. Because like oh. I said, mm-hmm. I really have gone back and restarted this game about four times at mm-hmm. least. Wow. 
Okay. Um, and he said they they expand. Oh, and every system like they have different like I guess like I said solar system, star systems, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the first one took me a few hours to get through everything on it. But there's like four more after that. Okay. No. Oh, so wow. there's a, there's a lot to do. There's side missions. There's tons of side missions. You know, you fly from one space to the other. You'll see a distress signal. You decide to go after and help somebody or not. It's totally up to you if you do or not. But still though, it's 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 a lot of fun. Like. I don't know, fifty dollars. Ooh, that's a lot. Like I said I, it was so long ago. I don't. I honestly don't remember how much I paid for it. I don't think it was fifty dollars because I don't see me paying fifty dollars for a game like that. You know, a pre-release game. This sounds like a game that I can't wait to get in a humble bundle space flight oh, simulator yeah. Yeah. package. And I'm sure a bundle we're yeah, gonna put out. You know, that's it's like because I have so many games I haven't played or finished. It was probably in a humble bundle a year and a half ago. <laughs> it may have been. You may already own it. Who knows? I'll have a check. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely very cool. So I, I recommend it if you like this kind of game where it's like kind of arcadey, kind of RPG, yep. has all those elements and they do a good job of balancing it. Hmm. Cool. So that's what I got. So how about you, John? What do you got for us this week? Um, I have a 45-year-old game that never saw the light of day until last month. Hmm. Okay. It took, took longer than two years to get like yours, but it's a bit more <laughs> rudimentary too. <laughs> I don't know that it was pre-sold though. No, it was not pre-sold. It, was, it wasn't sold <laughs> at all. Oh, is this the one you did the videos on? This is the one I did the videos okay, okay, on. Yep. Yeah. So this was a really interesting thing. And I feel like every time I explain it to somebody, they don't get how important it is. You guys, I think, will. But many people are like, so? <laughs> so the deal is an Atari prototype game that was in development back in 1977. You'll remember the Atari 2600 launched in September of 77. So really mm. brand new, huh? This was right. Early days. I mean, super early days. So this prototype was found. Basically, it was just a board like that would have gone in a cartridge and some some guy, some R&D guy that worked at Atari sold a lot of stuff to a bunch of people and they start going through and finding what they find. They found this board and it had a sticker on it that said Sonar. They mm-hmm. plugged it in the Atari and like, what is this? It's, you know, it, it's, it's a little glitchy. It's not quite done. But the basic idea is you're two little ships on like a battleship field, but you're together and you're moving around and there's this ping. There's like, bing, bing, kind of going back and forth. And what it's doing is the ping will have no return if you're not close to, you know, a submarine you're trying to bomb. But if you are close enough, it'll have a return back. Uh, but this was a two-player game. You'll think back to combat, air-sea battle right there. There was no AI. There was no single-player game. This was a, mm-hmm. a two-player game intentionally. However, the catch was this game was initially designed to have stereo sound. So a ping would come in left speaker if you're player huh. one and right speaker if you're player two. And oh. I can see the looks on your faces. You're like, the fuck's a stereo game doing on the Atari 2600? <laughs> yeah, right? It's a mono console. Well, in its design phase, there were supposed to be two speakers inside the console. And that's where the sound was going to come oh. from. Oh, you know, I think I've heard about that. Mm-hmm. And if you look at an old heavy sixer, you can see the grills mm-hmm. actually cut out. And if you open it, right. there's a place to mount the speakers that never were included. As a cost-saving measure, they're like, oh, we'll just pass through this TIA chip right to the thing. But there's still stereo sound on the original hardware. If you have an NTSC 2600, there are chips. You can modify an original 2600 to output stereo sound to two outputs. But since Atari <laughs> didn't do that, like nobody knows the full story. This is just something found in a box. But you can assume, well, no stereo. This game requires stereo. Put it on the shelf, right? Never going to do it. Oh, yeah. So here we are in 2023. I think last year it was found just a month or so ago. It was released to the public and said, hey, everybody, here's this game sonar (laughs) in Stella emulation. You could turn on stereo sound so you can hear the stereo. So it's a fully playable. The the, the thing that makes this so important, and I have have a coda at the end of this. It's a happy ending. The thing that makes this so important (laughs) is, but for a cost-saving measure in the 11th hour, at Atari Corporation, Sonar would have been one of the launch titles of the 2600. Wow. Oh. Combat. When you think about combat and Starship and Air Sea Battle and Indy 500 and think the first round of Outlaw, the first round of games, right. this would have been one of them. This is like a long lost brother or something. You're like, where have you? I didn't even know you were alive. I didn't know you existed. <laughs> it just never saw the light of day. So after we all saw this, you, Mo, you mentioned I did a video about mm-hmm. it. I was, it's, it's so interesting. The very next next day, I'd got an email from somebody who said, hey, you know, you guessed maybe some indie game developer would like get in there and finish it. Boom. It's already done. Really? There was an updated version of this. It was missing things. Like every time you played, the subs were in the same place. So it'd be identical every time. Oh, they didn't randomize it. Okay. He fixed that. He made the two ping returns, different pitches. So it'd be like, bring 
Broom. So you don't have to have stereo. You can listen oh, for the different pitches. Oh, man. Why did the guy think of that? Who so smart. It? <laughs> Had Atari thought of that, they could have released, it, released right? it. <laughs> So the, the, the whole thing is, and Mo, I'll ask you to put links in the show notes to the videos that I did. And you can see more about this game. The ROM is free to get. You can play it on Stella. But when I look at this game now, it's 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 this game that could have been. It very well could have been in everybody's collection. Hell, it might have been the Pac-Man game for all I know instead of <laughs> combat. Who knows? But it's it's a absolutely integral part of Atari history that was lost until just about a month ago, and now you can download it and enjoy it. I'm thinking of making me a custom cartridge just so I could have me a sonar cartridge. <laughs> I, th- I think it's that important. And it's not bad to play. It's kind of interesting. It's more of a thinking combat. You got to listen and strategize. And yeah, so there's Very no reason cool. not to get it. So do you know the guy who fixed it? I, I say mm-hmm. fixed it, finished it. It's probably a better yeah. term for mm-hmm. it, right? Did he just do it like recently or has it always been out there or? No, no. He fixed it about a week after it got released. He downloaded wow. the, the, the binary, <laughs> got in there, hacked it and fixed it. Yep. That's a pretty amazing. Wow. It's a, what a community. So crazy. All right. So anyway, I think that's really important to check out the videos. You might find it interesting. George, what about you? I know you've been working through a bunch of games you've got in a bus. Speaking of Humble Bundle. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I am, I'm sorry to say that I'm not nearly as enthusiastic about this as the two of you were about the game choices you have for this <laughs> okay. section. All right. In the Humble Bundle for the Syria Turkey Earthquake, I'm still running through those. Mm-hmm. This is the third game on my list, and it's Pathfinder Kingsmaker Enhanced Plus Edition. I don't Ooh. know how many more adjectives they can throw at the game to try and make you feel like it was worth the the price um i don't think it is right mm. now it's on sale for 19.99 with the humble bundle thing i talked about this in the very first one each item cost me 23 cents so i saved <laughs> $19.76 honestly i would have rather saved 1997 i think mm. and paid not for you. 2 cents for this um it, it's okay so it's Pathfinder is a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing adjunct mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've developed some video games over the years for that thing, just like they have for Dungeons and Dragons sure. and Shadowrun and everybody else. What I'll say is the startup sequence is as intricate as Mo was talking about how people love those crazy ass rules before they did D20 with no. Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. Uh, yeah. That's what this process of creating your character feels like just mm. at the start of the game. Then you go through a sequence where, you know, this king person is wanting you and a whole bunch of other adventurers to form a team to go down into the Badlands and take over this thing and be whoever does it will get named king of that area. We'll have trade with them and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's a very on the surface story. There's obviously a character who wants it for himself and there's other people who want you to be the king and all like that. It's okay. Hmm. The part that takes me out of the mindset of the world that pulls me back away from it every time is the control scheme. I'm playing this on a keyboard and mouse, so Mm -hmm. maybe it's better with a controller. I don't know. But playing with a keyboard and mouse, and I noticed that every single time I needed to click the mouse, I had to click it twice on whatever it was that I was trying to click. At first, I was like, oh, maybe I just misclicked or something. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that that is a common thing for every single thing I do almost. So I feel like that this game, whether it was in its original form or now it's enhanced plus super (laughs) excited, whatever the fuck edition, how do you not fix something like that? Yeah, really. Is it like the first click is like like highlighting that region and the second click clicks or is it even worse I, than that? You don't see any visual oh, that so tells who knows? you that. Yeah. It's just like hmm. I'm feeling like I have to click more than I should to get a thing to happen. Like to uh, select a character that I want to talk to or make a choice in the dialogue that I need to choose or oh, that's not move good. from one place to another on the little screen map thing that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is I have to do, I feel like I have to do multiple times. And that's just poor user interface yeah. to me. It seems like it distracts you from the game. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It's friction between you and the game that's mm-hmm. stopping you yeah. from getting immersed. Like it pulls you out of it, like you said. Exactly. Now, granted, oh, well. for 23 cents, I can't complain a lot, <laughs> well, right? It still feels like it might be a somewhat enjoyable storyline. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue with it for a little while just to find out. But it's not a game that makes me want to keep going back and playing it like, say, a Retromania Wrestling. Right. That mm-hmm. I still, even though it's been weeks since I talked about it, I still go back and play that game because it was so simple, so easy and so smooth. 
and so much fun. This game could have done that. Yep. Didn't. didn't do it. Uh, yeah, they can't all be winners. For 23 cents, what do you exactly. want? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to complain. <laughs> I've spent 25 cents on much worse games in arcade and still walked away okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. If you're a die-hard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. A double pleasure's waiting for you. A double pleasure from Double Miscom. A double great feeling making you realize Double is the one for you. Double fresh, double smooth. As we always like to do before we wrap up the show, we want to talk about the things we're looking at now or looking forward to between now and the next time we get together. And there's a lot of good stuff coming. I'm going to start with yeah. you, Mo. What do you have on your horizon? Wow. Well, a lot of, uh, I think, last seasons coming up for things like mm, Marvelous okay. Ms. Maisel. This coming to last season five. I think it's going to be its last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Barry season four is coming out. Oh, uh, wow. This is actually yeah. coming out in two days from when we recorded this, the 16th, okay. April 16th. Yep. And I think this is going to be the last season of that as well. Uh, but what I'm really, really looking forward to is if you, I don't know if you guys watched Star Wars Visions, that was like the short animated ones they did on the Disney Channel, Mm-mm. which were so there's a bunch of basically a bunch of animated shorts where they okay. got different animation studios to do each one. I, I think I've heard of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the first one, a lot of it was dedicated to Ahsoka character, the one with mm-hmm. the double lightsabers and Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen her. Rosario Dawson. Yep. yep. Because she's getting her own series coming out later this year. Mm-hmm. But they're coming out with a new Star Wars Visions Volume 2 on mm. May the 4th. They're time to do it. <laughs> gotcha. Of course. Yep. And John, you will want to watch at least one of these because okay. one of the animation studios that they're doing is the same one that does Wallace and Gromit. Oh, Ardman. Uh, okay. And it's Claymation. So is this like a love, death, and robots, but for Star Wars? Like different animation yeah, I, styles and everything? Yep. They mix That's styles. what it feels oh. like. Like canon stories. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, they're all in the Star Wars universe. Mm. Yeah. And they're filling in like gaps. Interesting. Okay. Of, of characters. Like take a little slice of a story and just expand yep. on it in a cartoon. Okay. Like maybe the Animatrix did. Yeah. It's like Animatrix. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sure. should probably be a, a better comparison. But the Got fact that I saw like Wallace and Gromit claymation style characters in a Star Wars universe, <laughs> it cracked me up. And I'm like, oh, I, I just got to tell John about this one because he's going to watch just oh, that yeah. part. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to check that out. That's cool. So he says a lot of good stuff. How about you, John? What do you got? Uh, a few things. The first one I have is a game that uh, as you listen to this, it came out yesterday. For me, it's slightly in the future. April 19th, there's a new game called Moons of Darsalon which I'm playing the demo right now. Imagine if you took the classic Lemmings game and Mm -hmm. you put it in outer space, but you were walking around with the Lemmings. You're rescuing those little spacemen and you're creating paths for them and changing the terrain for them to get to a location. Uh, it has a very pixely look. It has like scan lines in it, like you're watching an old monitor. And it's it's a fun little puzzle game that I'm I'm looking forward to getting the full version. I played the heck out of the demo, and so there's more to come. I, I can see in the trailer. Um, it, it looks it looks like something I would enjoy. PC. I don't know where all it is. I'm playing it on Steam right now. I'm okay. expecting, like most games, it's probably coming out on several platforms. I didn't do that research because I'm a PC nerd. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next is a film that uh, George, you looked at the trailer of not too long ago. Joaquin Phoenix in Bo is Afraid. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that weird. Now, it's okay. A24, but no. it looks interesting because it's Joaquin Phoenix. At this point, what isn't A24? I, know. I looked so at much. it the other day. <laughs> they are doing like 75 films a week. This fucking company. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They are prolific. They are. I can even tell you what this is about. It looks like following him through his life. I, I, the, the, the trailer is so wonky, I couldn't tell you, but I want to see what he does, right? I so, think it's following through his fears. Maybe, okay. Maybe that's what it is. Whatever it is, it is okay. I'll see it for that. And it's going to hit the theaters tomorrow for you listening to this. It's April 21st. So if you don't listen on day one, it's probably out already. Frankly, it's probably out already anyway with early release and stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing I'm most looking forward to Uh-oh. is the season three and season series finale of Star Trek Picard on Uh, April 20th. Oh my goodness, this Mm. third season 
has been so good, so different from the previous two. Yeah. I, I could spend another hour talking about how great this series has been for me. It has a few stumbles, but on by and large, this series, this season has been so good. Terry yeah. Metalis just, he's got his finger on the pulse of what fans want out of this era of Star Trek, and it's just been so good. It is a damn shame that this is the final season. I know. After how good this one is. <laughs> right. But there any of the high notes. They just found their legs. They just figured out what to do, yeah. and now it's over, but it, it's so good, and I can't wait to see what they do with the finale. I can't wait to go back and rewatch this season as a whole, because hour-long episodes, every single one of them, blip, it's over. It felt like 25 minutes. It was over so this fast. Feels, this feels like it needs a campaign for a fourth season. This feels yeah. like a fan campaign. There's a bunch of campaigns already running. Yeah, so. I know, but maybe mm. they could do an offshoot, a whole new series. They're talking about this. that, too. Oh, they already they already <laughs> have them in the works, don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Anyway, it's so good. If you're not watching season three, because the first two were kind of meh, understandable, season three is amazing if you were a TNG mm-hmm. fan. So, so George, I know you're looking forward to that, but what else are you looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm calling it now, even though it's well in advance. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, mm. that's my looking forward to. Nobody else gets to claim it. Oh, okay. I've loved the Guardians of the Galaxy yes, films. I'm yeah. calling it. Uh, second thing, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant comes out on April 21st, hmm. so the day after we release the podcast. It's one of those uh, wartime stories that's got heart in it and everything. And I kind of like Guy Ritchie's stuff, and I, do, I definitely yeah. like the wartime story genre, so this looks really good. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the mm-hmm. main character. Yeah. He gets injured in combat. His interpreter, who's an in-country guy, carries him to safety over days and days and days at his own perilous risk. Jake Gyllenhaal goes home, finds out that that guy is now a target of the Taliban for helping the U S army hmm. and goes back to try and save him and his the covenant. So the, 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 the covenant, bond of yeah. honor, whatever. Got it. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most is releasing that exact same day. God loves Sam Raimi. The next edition of Evil Dead, <laughs> Evil Dead Rise comes out. Yeah, this looks a little different. April though. 21st. <laughs> it does look different. It is different, but I'm looking forward to it. I think more in part to the fact that I saw Sam Raimi at Megacon and saw his panel. Oh. Uh-huh. And he talked about how much he loves what the people have done with his franchise because he didn't direct this one. Oh, really? All right. Okay. So he's just involved in exec producer as far as i understand but you know he's still sam raimi they're gonna do whatever he says right it's sam raimi <laughs> but it looks fun to me it, it looks evil dead horror fun and that's yeah. what i want yeah. mommy sleeping with the maggots now i love that <laughs> shit <laughs> well hey it's spring time for horror movies we were just that's talking right. about that last <laughs> time like, clearly there's no off season for horror anymore <laughs> yeah there's like you said so much good stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks so it should be a good time before we get out of this show i want to give a shout out to a brand new supporter over on Patreon. I'm talking about Jeremy L. He headed over to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. He liked what we do, wanted to support what we do, and he has now joined that throng of amazing human beings that uh, throw a couple bucks to us to help keep the lights on, keep us doing what we're doing, help to make this a sustainable venture that we're absolutely trying to do right now. So thank you so much, Jeremy, and to everyone uh, who continues to be a stalwart supporter of Gen X Grown Up. We're so grateful for all of you. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the show. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. But next week, next week is our backtrack, where we pick a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. And after next week, we will all be better, stronger, and oh, faster Jesus Christ. than we were before. He started already. <laughs> we are going back to the 1974 Six Million Dollar Man series with Lee Majors. <laughs> oh, there's, there's, yeah, the sounds are one thing, the legacy that it has. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. That's coming your way next week. I hope you'll join us for that. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, pal. Always fun, man. For listener it's you though we all appreciate most of all and we can't wait to talk to you again next time bye-bye see you guys take care everybody Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Alrighty. Oh, white balance. Ha ha. Come on, white sheet. George. We have white paper. George has a white plank. <laughs> he wants to make I sure that entire, the entire vertical is, is white balance. As <laughs> long as it's white, that's all that matters. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. 
And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.